Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. All right, guys, so we, we are... As you guys know, we're in a series called The Letters to the Church. Where This is the third letter. It's to Pergamum. It's in, um, if you have got your Bibles ready online, I can, sorry, on your computer or your phone or you can put it on the screen. It's Second Revelation verse 12. And this series that we're going through is about us as a body seeing and hearing what God desires in this room. It's about what God wants for his people. And so there are four um, tools or themes that we've gone through in the last two letters. Is that in every letter that Jesus writes to this church, specifically in Pergamum, it has the same structure. You have encouragement. You have correction. You have instruction from the correction. And then you have a promise if you do what he says. So... This series is about us putting ourselves in front of the Lord, saying, Father, let your will be done. Not mine, but your will. So I'm going to read to you this letter. And you know when the word of God is spoken out, it's declared, things happen. So I want to just encourage the expectate, expectate, how do I say it? expectation, thank you, in this room, that whether, whether this is a well-known verse for you or this is the first time you've heard it, the Lord is going to move in your heart. Verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name, and you not, do not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You, you have some there who hold on to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war, war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Amen. Okay, I'm going to go through just a, a, few, um, a few things that I want to just share about this verse and then I'm going to go into what I believe is the application for us today. And then we're going to pray and we're going to go back into worship. But can you see that instantly at the first part of this letter, Jesus is saying, these are the words of him or John writing that this is Jesus who has the sharp double-edged sword. Now, Jesus has actually told 
has revealed to John in Revelation 1 that his mouth, Jesus' mouth, is like a double-edged sword. So the fact that Jesus is reminding Pergamum that who Jesus is is a man that has a sword coming out of his mouth, you can already see how Jesus is talking to this church. What he is about to speak is going to cut. It's going to slice. It's going to fulfill the purpose of the Lord, but it's going to come through the words of Jesus' mouth. And then, verse 13, who's ever heard this? And where do you go in your mind? Because Jesus is saying, in this town, Satan has a throne in this town. He's saying, I understand the unique pressures that you're facing to stand against persecution and false teaching. Satan's throne is in this city. What does that look like? And yet, his encouragement, you remain true to my name. You do not renounce your faith even when things are hard. And then he says, not even in the day of Antipas, which he was a faithful martyr. This is a man who was the bishop of Pergamos, and he was boiled to death in a copper vessel over fire. He did not let go. And nevertheless, with the encouragement that Jesus is calling out, he says, I have this against your church. There are some of you who are believing the false teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. And out of love, I'm asking you to repent because it will end in death. You might say to, what is Balaam? And what is the Nicolaitans? I've already actually touched on the Nicolaitans in, 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 in actually my previous message. But if we don't have time today, but Balaam, this story goes all the way back into Numbers. Numbers, I believe it's 22, 23, 24, and 25. And there was a foreign king called Balak. And he asked a Jewish prophet how he can stop the Israelites from prospering because I fear the Lord of Israel. I'm so afraid of the God of Israel, we need to stop them. So he pays a prophet in Israel to curse out of his mouth the people of God. And in the story, the prophet comes back saying, if I curse the people of God, God is just going to bless them more. So what we should do, I'm going to come up with a cunning plan, is we're not going to curse the people of Israel. No, no, no. What we're going to do is we're going to send the women, young women, to go into the camp of Israel and seduce them into idolatry and sexual immorality. We're basically going to have a party. We're going to have a good time. And if we do that, then God will have to put a stop and judge the nation because they've fallen into sexual sin. That's how we're going to do it. And this is what happened. The plan worked. 
there was effectively an idea from Satan said through the prophet to go against the promises and the will of what God had for the Israelites. And they fell into sexual sin. They fell into sexual immorality. And it was done through a belief that, hey, you can do whatever you want when it comes to sex. There are no barriers when it comes to sex. It's all about having a good time. There's no repercussions for sex outside covenant. Has anybody heard that before? You see, the enemy's plans and trickery has not changed. It just has different names. And here we see Jesus saying, some of you have remained faithful to me, but there are some inside this church that have fallen into a false teaching and are believing a lie that sex outside covenant is okay. And then you twin it with the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which effectively was the same thing, but they promoted that actually kind of your body is separate to your spirit and what you do with your body does not affect your spirit. So again, do what you want and there's no consequences. You could push it even further to say that because Jesus died on the cross and because of grace, you're free to do what you want. So Jesus said, there are some of you that have fallen into idolatry and sexual immorality. And out of love, I'm coming after you with the sword of my mouth so that I can free you from the trap and the snare of the enemy because it's out to kill you and I am out to bring life. So he is saying in verse 16, after these two teachings have been exposed by the light of God, he's calling his church to what? Repent. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Sometimes you don't actually have to say anything and just allow scripture to do its thing. There are three groups in this church that Jesus is talking to. The faithful, the compromising, and also the leaders of this church that remain silent to call out the false teachings of Satan. It's no surprise that Jesus starts this letter with the sword coming out of his mouth. It's easily connected to Arguably one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God. Can we say it together? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, the discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When he speaks, he brings life. 
The question for us is, is, are we comfortable with the sword? Are we comfortable with the sword? Here we've seen that Jesus will speak words of truth to us. Let me tell you another way. He'll speak to you through the person you're sat next to. Maybe the person you've come with, someone in your family, someone in your friends, whether they know the Lord or not, his sword can reach you. Another way is circumstance. You may be in a circumstance right now where you're like, how did I get here? I don't know what's going on. There could be you're going through something that actually the Lord is trying to reach you and talk to you right now to bring the sword of life to say there's another way. There's another way. Are we not living in an age where speaking the truth could throw you in jail? Are we living in an age where if we speak the truth, we're now more worried of offending than we are speaking the truth? Is that not at play in the culture that we're living in? So therefore... To move in the opposite spirit, which is love, and learning how to wield the sword and speaking the truth in love, is that not the greatest act of love to a friend? Is that not the greatest show of love right now where we speak the truth in love? And I'd say it's not just it's one side of being able to speak it. The other part of it is being ready to receive it. And I want to propose to you that actually learning to receive words of correction actually happen before you receive the word. Because if our hearts are closed, if they are in pride, if they are in offense... Any of these things that actually shut the door from allowing people to speak, the danger is we actually become unaware of the people that God sends into our life with the sword of love, and we've actually said no before they've even opened their mouth. And why we have to protect our hearts and to keep our hearts soft and tenderized before the Lord and one another is so that what we are saying in humility is, Father, grow me into the person you want me to be. Rather than, Lord, you'll be my savior, but I'm the Lord. When it comes to idolatry and sexual immorality, I don't think there's an argument at all of how God designed sex. There's a design. We read it and we see it. It works. 
The issue is not how. The issue, in my opinion, is the issue is being is coming coming to the point where people have to decide: Am I going to follow God's way, or am I going to follow mine? Paul writes in Colossians 3, verse 5, he says this when it talks about idolatry. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You see, here we see covetousness is idolatry. What's he saying? And especially in this time, where the idolatry, let's say you owned a business in the time that these letters were written in Pergamum, in Asia, which is now modern-day Turkey. There were economic systems at play that if for you to be successful, for you to be part of a system where you can be wealthy, you had to worship other gods to be part of the crew. So it would be like, hey, absolutely, come and, come and let's talk business. Let's, let's talk about marketplace. But every Thursday we go to this temple and we worship Zeus. And if you don't, you're out. If, you're, if you don't, you're out of the economic system. Is that happening today? Again, different names, same tactics. A lot of idolatry comes from, from money. And if we are called to be a shining light into the marketplace in this city, in this nation, and in the world, we have the privilege of being a part of a kingdom economic structure. And what that means is, is that where actually the Lord is asking us to lay down our rights and our beliefs to follow his and that when you do when you do the blessings that come with that I could touch on it Malachi 3.10 we teach this in kickstart for people who come through and join our church we are a church that believes and teaches the tithing message Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Will I not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing where there is no more need? You know, where we put our money is where our heart is. And in a time where Everything is being shaken. What is unshakable, what is unshakable is the kingdom of God right now. And his people, us, the ecclesia, as we gather, what we do with our worship to the Lord for finances, not only is it going to affect us here, but it's going to affect the entire area. 
But again, it's laying down our will to the Lord. These were two teachings that were inside the church that was all about me being the Lord. It's very quiet in here this morning. I had a word of knowledge when I was writing this message that there are someone, maybe all of us, let's just say all of us, that the Lord has put situations in our lives today that the Lord is asking us to sacrifice now because there is a harvest coming later. And it is in the opposite spirit as where the world promises harvest now and you pay for it later. That actually, the Lord, I think there's someone here that is, um, you're in a business deal and it's gone wrong. And you have a choice whether to go to the courts or to, to actually go before the Lord. And I feel like the Lord is inviting you as a group of people to be like Jesus and to go to the courts of heaven, not the earthly, and to submit the pain and the injustice, and the Lord will reward you in sacrifice. His ways are not like our ways. So repentance is what Jesus is giving this church as a gift because there's an amazing promise afterwards. And you've either got two ways of looking at repentance. And it's either the Greek or the Hebrew. The Greek for, word for repentance means to change your mind. And then the Hebrew word for repentance means turn around. And together they work perfectly. Repentance is the beginning of moving into the promise of God. And this is what he promises to those in this congregation if they follow what Jesus is saying. He says that he will give them manna. He will give them spiritual manna. Jesus is the true bread, the true manna from heaven that sustains us in John 6. The overcomer has promised full enjoyment of what of which have had the foretaste in this life. Jesus' promise to this church is if they turn from their ways, they get more of him. We know that the manna in the Old Testament, it was sustaining his people every day. A sustaining, his words sustaining you every single day giving you everything that you need. And then he says that you will have a white stone given to you. And again, very similar to the church in Smyrna. Again, this talks on about a reward for finishing the race well. It's no different than um, winning a medal of honor, a gold medal at the Olympics, being honored in your community, that the privilege that came with this white stone went through the community. It's like being given the key to the city. You see, the honor that God gives through the kingdom is not just between you and the Lord, but it's, it's on the earth too. You ever find it interesting in your own time to understand the verse that Jesus grew in favor in man and the Lord before he started ministry? 
And then he said, on that stone, he will write your story, which is your personalized testimony of everything that you do for the Lord, with the Lord, from now until when you see him. Everything about your life is written down, and the world will see it. That we're in a story as a congregation in this room, but also there's an individual story that the Lord is writing on your heart right now. This is the promise for his people. When they turn, they turn from teachings that do not come from Jesus. So the instruction, the instruction for us as we hear this word for us is repentance. You know, repentance is agreeing with God. And there's something that happens when the Holy Spirit convicts us. And conviction is shining a light saying, come with me. Come, come with me. It's in his mercy that he reveals it. And then out of confession, once he shows it to us, suddenly we now know that there's a new way. There's a better way. The purpose of these letters, church, is that almost like we as we hear it, by the grace of God, if you want it, is to ask the Lord to let these words sieve your life. To go through and ask the Holy Spirit, would you highlight anything in my life that is not pleasing to you? If there is anything that I am believing that's not of you, God, out of a desire to love you and to follow you, I repent. Repentance is the beginning of healing. It's the beginning. And it's probably a word that we don't talk about a lot, repentance. Because I think we've probably thought that it happened when we first met him and then we drop it. And actually, actually a sign of someone that for us who is growing with the Lord, like Dan has said for the last two weeks, teleos, becoming fully mature. I'm, I'm realizing the word repentance is something that I'm saying more regularly in these days because I am putting myself under the Lord saying, Father, not because you're an angry God and you just love disciplining me. It's the opposite. I love you so much, God. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. And so help me change my mind. If there is anything that I am walking in that's not of you, please, I'm here. In humility, Laying down my rights, my offenses, my opinions. I heard this the other day, and I, 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 I won't do it justice because it's just said so well, but we, God is not the, a presidential candidate where, one, we get to choose who we want, and two, we also get to rewrite the constitution to fit our ways. He's a king 
who sits on a throne and what comes out of his mouth like a sword is the very thing that we need because it leads to life. It leads us to life. And almost like the Nicolaitans who pushed and twisted the, the, the grace message of you can have Jesus and you can tell him what to do. They lost it. They missed it. And out of kindness, Jesus is saying, guys, turn from that because that is going to lead to death. Just repent. Change your mind. Turn around. I don't need to uh, qualify this statement because anyone would think, you know, this obvious what I'm saying. But just me sitting with this letter for weeks, I have been so convicted in my own life of being like one of those leaders where I've kept my mouth quiet where I should have spoken the truth. That's just me. The word is doing what I want it to do, but I also want it to do with you. And I just want you to know I am being convicted through this series. Refuse to compromise. Refuse to compromise, church. There is nothing new that the enemy can throw at us. We've seen it. We know the tactics. They might have new names, but nothing has changed. We are overcomers in Christ. We are overcomers. Just say this. I am an overcomer in Christ. Okay, I am an overcomer in Christ. That word gives us power to break any chain that is not of God. Whether it be idolatry or sexual immorality, we are overcomers in Christ. In the book of Numbers, where the teaching of Balaam is exposed in the, in, in the camp of Israel, there's a priest, not the priest, but just a priest among the priesthood of the Israelites, and his name was Phineas. And he saw out of the, his own desire for Christ, his own desire for God, he saw how the enemy's teaching had come into the camp and that there was unclean things happening inside God's house. Let me read to you. This is Numbers 25 verse 6. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people. And as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle, 
when Phineas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phineas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach so that the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, his son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron, the priest has turned my anger against from the Israelites by being as zealous amongst them as I was. So I stopped destroying all Israel as I had intended to do with my zealous anger. Now tell him that I am making a special, special covenant of peace with him. And in this covenant, I will give him, his descendants, a permanent right to the priesthood. For his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. This is a very graphic, bloody story. But this is a man that you hear because of his zeal for God, Phineas, brought truth. Now, in Old Covenant, he brought a spear. We're in a New Covenant. Hallelujah. Only one person acknowledged that. Do you want to go back to the old one? But can you see the picture the image that Phineas put a spear through a man and a woman, how close must they have been when the spear went through? Because the spear went through the man and then into the woman. I want to propose that they were probably having sex when this spear went through them. And it's a graphic, gory image to the very truth that there is a spirit of Phineas that the church needs to arise in, in this hour where we bring the sword of truth, where the enemy is robbing and stealing every generation. That it's when the people of God speak truth in love, it saves lives. And that it gets rid of sexual immorality and idolatry. If you remember the beginning of this series, each church had a lampstand, which was the light of God. And the brightness of the light, of how bright it was, the world is drawn to its light. And so we, as a church here, have to recognize that if you were to put all of us into a very image of a lampstand, there will be a light and for the light to get bigger, brighter, bolder, and for the world to be so attracted by the light of Jesus, it's the teaching of the Nicolaitans and Balaam, it's that that turns the light down. The, the world deserves the gospel of good news. And it's spoken through the lies of us in this room. Who's the, who's the person? Speak, you know, use your mouth if you need to. That you remove, there's no shame in the kingdom. There's no shame. Jesus took our shame. Shame off us, where the world says shame. Shame off you. But there's, this is the day, this is the hour church where we can recognize that the letter was written thousands of years ago, but oh, it's needed right now. 
Amen? Can I suggest, why don't we just stand? I want to just, just to leave, lead, these guys are going to lead us into worship. And, you know, it's a tricky one for any preacher, I'll give you this, to talk about idolatry and sexual immorality in 20 minutes. Because the, my biggest concern right now would be, there's conviction in the room, but people actually are misinterpreting it as condemnation. Because right here, right now, and we sung it in worship, his, the name of Jesus, he heals, he washes, he forgives. And there is no one in this room or online that the power of Jesus cannot set you free this morning from any sexual immorality or any idolatry right now. And all it takes is the humility of repentance, which is turning, changing your mind. And so I just want, we're going to give us, the body, a time before our Lord and Savior to say, Lord, your will, not mine. And for all of us in this room to experience forgiveness again. You know, we get pretty dry and pretty law-based when we forget about grace and forgiveness. And this is the good news. Jesus died for us. We, are, we have relationship with God, our Father, because of him. We got prayer ministry. They're going to be down here. And also any life group leaders that are prayer ministry trained, anyone trained, come on down. We're just going to give this an opportunity for the church to be cleaned under the name of Jesus. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Father, I just, Father, we just come to you in humility and say, Father, this letter to Pergamon, thank you for the letter. And Father, would you send it to our hearts? And would you sieve us and mold us and clean us if there is any idolatry and sexual immorality that you're asking us to bring into the light? Father, we repent where we're falling short into the grace that you've called us to be. And Father, I just pray right now for shame off anyone in this room. Shame off you in the name of Jesus where the enemy might be saying, you don't know, or they don't know. It's the enemy because he's terrified of who you're going to become. Is there anyone here also that would like to give their lives to the Lord for the first time, or they just feel like they're coming back with a deeper clarity? If that's you, please come down to the front. We would love to pray with you. Father, I just pray for all of us in this room. Lord, that you'd give us, make us quick to repent. And Lord, that this house, the light that's coming out of this church would be brighter in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.